We are going to be in the Word of God, chapter by chapter through the book of Mark. You can rise for the reading of the Word. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. The Lord is, is he's going to be speaking to us today. I am certain of it. He's been speaking to me. Verse 38 says this. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, they love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. They devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, they make long prayers. These will receive a greater condemnation. Father, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I just pray to you. I pray to you. I pray to you. I want to be like you, Lord. I don't want to be a Pharisee. And oh, am I a Pharisee, Lord. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that our eyes would be on you. Lord, when we take our eyes off you, that is exactly what happens. We become Pharisees. We have it, Lord. Every one of us in our flesh, we acknowledge it. Separating ourselves from people. Thinking of ourselves holier than someone else when that is not the case, Lord. Each of us knows in our own mind. We're the chiefest of sinners, and if we don't know that, we don't have the Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, to smite our hearts this today, Lord. Speak to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So again, once again, here we are in Mark chapter 12, Jesus in the courts of the temple. Various religious groups have been coming to him with trick questions, trying to get him into trouble, either with the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities. If they do that, they can, they can get rid of him. Go just a little ahead to chapter 14, verse 1, Mark chapter 14, verse 1. It says, after two days it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. So that's what's been going on. It's been going on in chapter 11. It's been going on in, in chapter 12. Four or five different groups, the chief priests of the temple, the pastors of the church, the senior pastors, pastors. 
the Pharisees and scribes, the Sadducees, the really rich Jews who had watered down the word of God, the Herodians, those who combined religion with politics, coming to Jesus, trying to test them, all of them unsuccessful. Eventually they give up. And we read at the end of verse 34 of Mark 12, read it with me, but after that no one dared question him. Importantly, really important for what we're going to be talking about today. Right before it says that, right before it says after that, no one dared question him. Jesus had responded to a question from a Pharisee. Uh, The Pharisee asked him, which is the greatest commandment in the Bible? Jesus answered, verse 30 and 31, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard to overteach, overemphasize, overstate the importance of those two verses. We spent three weeks on them. You shall love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors as yourself. That's who you're called to be. Every one of you. That's what you're called to be. That's the person, the man, the woman that you're called to be. So after it says that no one dared ask him any more questions, in Mark chapter 12, verse 35, the tables turn. Jesus begins to challenge the Pharisees and scribes and others. But instead of trying to plot their destruction as they had been doing with him, Jesus tries to plot their salvation. Do you understand that's how God loves you? Do you understand that, Calvary Chapel? Even as you're plotting against God, he's loving you and he's coming after you. That's what he did. One after another, plotting to trick him, to test him. And, and when the tables turn, he does exactly the opposite. He tries to save them. He tried, he, what, what did we talk about last week? He, he, he says, listen, you're asking the wrong questions. This is the question you should be asking to yourself. Who is the Christ? What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Which is in the parallel account in Matthew. Jesus, chapter 19, verse 10, referring to himself, said, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He wasn't kidding when he said that. He wasn't just saying that because it sounds like a spiritual thing. He said it because it was true. He comes to seek you, and even when you're coming against him, you're plotting to get him out of your life, A few of you may be in that place this morning. So we saw last week. He starts to challenge the Pharisees and the scribes. You're asking the wrong questions. Paying taxes to the government. 
Marriage in heaven? What's the greatest commandment? Even that one. You're asking the wrong questions. You should be asking yourself, what do you think about the Christ? Calvary Chapel, uh, I'm going to move on from this, but this is where we ended last week. Who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think the Christ is? Let me tell you, if you get that right, everything else falls into place. So he comes after them because he loves them. He's loving them. They're plotting his description. He's loving them. Who do you think it was the crisis? If you knew, if you would ask that question, you would see, you would learn that I am he. I'm the one. Open your eyes. I'm the one. Come, come to me. But so now, He's got to do something very different. You know, we have a, 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 a ministry here. Rather, we have an expression here amongst the senior leaders. Ministry is messy. There's a proverb, Proverbs 14, verse 3. It says, if there are no cattle in the barn, the barn is clean. As soon as the sheep come in, things get really messy. It is like that with church and ministry. People come in with issues, problems. Wounded people wound people. The, the, the ministry gets messy, sometimes super complicated. One of the times when ministry gets messy, really complicated, when there's someone that you love, you love them, you are coming to minister to them, you pray for them, and you plot for their salvation, but, but the very people you're plotting to, for their salvation, they, they coming against you. And you gotta warn people about them. You have to warn people about them. Ministry's complicated, it's messy. And that's exactly what starts, is going to start happening here in verse 38. In verse 38, he starts warning his disciples about the very people he was just loving and challenging to come to the Lord. Verse 38 says again, read it here with me. Then he said in, to them in his teaching, beware of the scribes. We also know the, the, he, he, he's in, in, from the book of Matthew, the parallel account. He's beware of the Pharisees. Who desire to go around in long robes. They love greetings in the marketplace. The best seats in the synagogue. The best places at feasts but they devour widows' houses, and for a pretense they make long prayers. These will receive a greater condemnation. What's their problem? What's their problem, Calvary Chapel? Someone shout it out. Again, what do the verses say? They are going around in long 
robes, loving greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues and best places at the feast. Pride, what else? What's their problem? What's that? Self, their problem is self. That's good. They're self-righteous. What, what else? What's that? Respect. They're wanting. They're wanting respect. Is that what you mean? They're wanting respect. Sorry, my wife hates when I do that. That's what I'm looking for. They are obsessed about what others think of them. <laughs> They're thinking, what do people think of me? What do I think of me? And so what they have done... What they have done is that, they, uh, that what does it say? Uh, they go around in long robes. Uh, they go around in robes that, that look more religious, cleaner, more ornate, more colors. And what are they doing when they, when they do that? What's the effect when they do that? Someone shout it out. Look at me. Look at me. What else? Anyone else? Boasting. What's that? They're boasting. Okay, what's the effect of going about in long robes? Then it, um, it also says here, um, they, uh, they get the best seats in the temple. I mean, in the synagogue, which means seats that are facing out. They get the best seats. What's the effect of that? Putting others down, right. They're, they're separating, they're separating themselves from others. They want others to say, whoa, look at these dudes. They, they're, they're holy. They are righteous. They're closer to God than I am. The next one, it, it, uh, it, it says they love greetings in the marketplace. And by that, that's referring to titles. Look at Pastor Steve. Look at the Reverend uh, John. Look at the, the, the in, in, in some denominations, look at the most excellent holy Francis. I'm sorry, I'm not, that's, didn't mean to name the name of the Pope, but, uh, but they're, 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 they're loving the titles. And what are they doing when that happens? That they're separating themselves from others, and they're doing it deliberately. They're thinking about what others think of them, but they're also, this is important, they're thinking about themselves. What, what do I think of me? What do I, I like this, I like this robe. I like when people look at me like this. Don't laugh, you're one of them. We're all one of them. I am a Pharisee. It says that these Pharisees, and the, the parallel account in Matthew, all their works they do to be seen by men. And the last thing I want to do, Calvary Chapel, the last thing is to sit here and read about Pharisees and talk about how bad they are, as if I was not one of them. The Bible says that, you know, the word of God is a mirror. When we read the Bible, we read about ourselves. And the last thing you want to do, brother, sister, is you don't want to pick up the Bible, read about yourself, and then close it and, and, and forget about what you just saw. The book of James says what? You guys are familiar. It's a Bible's a mirror. For anyone who is, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a what? Shout it out. A mirror. 
He, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. When we read about the Pharisees, we're reading about ourselves. It's not unusual for us to get preoccupied. Listen, obsessed. From the time we get out of bed, from the time we go to sleep, just thinking, what do they think about me? What do I need to do? What do I need to dress? What do I need to say? What, what do I need to put on my hair? What do I need? What email? What do I say in this communication? Because we're obsessed about we want to be liked. We want to be approved. We want to be admired. We want to, it works, we want people to be jealous of us. We want them looking at us like that. Just like these Pharisees. It's part of fallen man. It's part of being a sinner. It's, it, 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 it's part of, and, and this is sin. That's why Jesus is warning the disciples in verse 38. He's saying, beware of the scribes. Beware of them. Don't be like them. He wouldn't be telling us this, Calvary Chapel, unless this is the person we can become or that we already are. At the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve are told by the serpent that if they eat of the fruit in the midst of the garden, they can be like God. Oh man, I can be like God. So they ate the fruit. What's the very first thing they did as soon as that happened? What? What was that? They what? Okay, that, what's the first thing they did? No, before that, what'd they do? They sewed fig leaves and covered themselves. They started thinking, what do people think about me? And what do I think about me? And then what, what happened? God calls them. And uh, God calls them. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Uh, what, what's going on here? And, and, and Adam said, well, you know, I, I, I was naked, so I hid myself. Who told you you were naked, God said? Who told you you were naked? See, he started thinking about what others thought of him. He started thinking about what I think of me. What do I think of me? I'm not liking this nakedness. I'm going to cover myself. It's in your DNA. Let me tell you, it can be crippling. Crippling. Some people shrink up into a, a, a little, a, like a leaf, a crumpled leaf because of just being obsessed about what others think of them. Um, but the other response, of course, that, that we have, we're either shrinking up or we're just expanding. Pride puffs up as we isolate ourselves. And there's just such a danger in church, in the church of Jesus Christ, which is supposed to, what it's supposed to do? It is supposed to draw people to us, not make them go, whoa. Look at the last verse of verse 37. He starts challenging 
Uh, the last um, sentence of verse 37 says, and the common people heard him gladly. That's holiness. That's holiness right there. Holiness is when you are so reflecting Christ that the common people, they're not thinking, whoa, this guy's unapproachable. No, they heard him gladly. They heard him gladly. And so this is why Calvary Chapel, so important, so important that you fix your eyes on Jesus. What, what did Adam do? It, it, as soon as he sins, it, what did he, as soon as she sinned, she's, she's looking at herself. And she's looking at her, you know, her husband. Whoa, this guy's looking at me. I'm naked. And, and, and so when that happens, what we do, we separate ourselves. And, 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 and so th this is what the Pharisees had been doing. Thinking, what do they think of me? What do I think of me? I want, to th I want them thinking I'm holy. Start wearing long robes. Phylacteries, real big. Getting the best seats in the temple. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And Psalm, I love this one. This, this, is, this is the best one for, in terms of eyesight, your eyesight. As the eyes of servants who look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Let me tell you, you fix your eyes on Jesus like that, the common people will hear you gladly. You're not gonna be separating yourself from anyone. Fix your eyes on Jesus or you will start doing things that will get yourself into a heap of trouble. Just like the Pharisees doing, did, they start doing things to separate themselves, to draw attention to themselves. They're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. What do others think of me? What do others think of me? Why do others think of me? What does she think of me? What does he think of me? What do they think of me? What are those people over me thinking of me? I want them to think of me better. I, I, and, and, and so this is what they started to do. When you get like that, you start, stop thinking of who? Let's see. You stop thinking about Jesus. You crowd Jesus out. That's why the Bible says, as Christians, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Colossians chapter two says, put on the new man who's being renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Be, that, that, that's what, when you just are thinking from the time you roll out of bed, and believe me, I know what this is like. I, I'm addicted to being liked by people. That's an addiction of mine. But when I'm thinking from the time of, of I roll out of bed to the time I go, go, what are people thinking of me? I'm not thinking about Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
you, 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 you just think and think and think and think about what is this, what is they. Even on Sunday mornings, I have a, in, my, in my prayer journal, I just say, Lord, please, self-conscious. When I'm self-conscious, that is sin. Please, Lord, tomorrow in church, smite that. Just do away with that. Destroy that. Because when I'm thinking of me, I'm not thinking of Jesus Christ, and I stop what? Doing the first commandment, loving the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving neighbors as myself. The more I'm thinking about me, and what others, what do they think of me, and what do I think of me, what do I think of me, what do I think? I'm not thinking about Jesus anymore. And, and, and this starts happening. Matthew ch- uh, chapter 23, which is a much more expanded version of what we're in in Mark. Um, uh, Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, woe to you. So by the way, he goes from warning, warning his disciples to actually speaking directly to the Pharisees, the very ones that he loves. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. What does that mean? Uh, well, there's a, the, a, a, the, the law of giving your first 10% of your increase. And man, these guys, they just got, what's mint, anise, and cumin? Uh, that's, just, that's some herbs, and they'd be cutting up these herbs, these spices with razor blades. I don't know if they had, what they had then, but and, and making sure there was 10%. And what's happening when they're doing that? Whoa, look at these guys. They are so holy. They're even giving their spices, 10% of their spices. They're giving that to God. Whoa. See what they've done, they're creating a separation between them and people, and people are looking at them. Whoa, I'm not like that, whoa. Again, what have the Pharisees done? They're thinking so much about what others think about me, what I think about me, they're deliberately separating themselves from every, everybody else. You see what happens? The more their eyes are on others, the more they separate themselves, the, the more they neglect to love the Lord, their God, with all their minds, whole soul, heart, and strength, and to, and to love others, to love others, to love others. A few weeks ago, Pastor Freddie gave an outstanding sermon. That encouraged me very much. just about the importance of our youth and praying for them and parenting them well and making decisions that that are not gonna destroy their life. And he told a story about um, him uh, in his senior year of high school going to the, um, before he went to the prom, he asked, hey, so what happens uh, when, um, what happens at this prom? What's all the prom, uh, was this thing about the prom about? You guys remember that message? Someone said, oh, you, you, you go to the prom, then after the prom you, you get drunk and, and then you go have sex in a hotel room. You rent a hotel room, you go have sex and, and, and Freddie just resolved in his heart. I'm not gonna go to that. And I gotta tell you, when I see a young man or woman take a stand for Jesus like that, their love, out of love for God, I rejoice. I really do. We spent a lot of time in Mark chapter nine. Jesus said, 
If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eyes causes you to sin, pluck it out. Listen, we need to be ruthless with our sin. However, if you're staying home from the prom, you better be inside your house weeping for those classmates. Otherwise, you're just a Pharisee. That's all you are. Of course, all of you who know Freddie know that's exactly what his heart is. He is a man who loves his neighbor. Loving your neighbor as yourself. What is the greatest commandment? Loving God and loving your neighbor. Loving them. So whether it's not going to the prom or a party or whatever, praying for those classmates, pleading to them to help them and that God save them and protect them. Jesus, looking at these same Pharisees, looking at them in Luke chapter 19, he says when he drew new Jerusalem right before his crucifixion, those Pharisees were gonna crucify him and he knew it. He sat over the city and what? Someone shouted out. Wept. He wept. If you're not going to that prom, you better be weeping for your classmates. And then he said to them, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you on every side, level you and your children, and they will not leave on you one stone upon another because you did not know the day of your visitation. You did not, you didn't know when God came in on a borrowed donkey, gentle and lowly. I don't want to be like these Pharisees in Mark chapter 12. Where he, and, and he tells me, when I read this, beware the scribes, Steve. Beware the scribes, Steve. Beware the scribes. And the end of verse 40, for they will receive a greater condemnation. In the book of Matthew, it says, Jesus said to them, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Instead of loving people, they're separating themselves from them. Jesus, what did he come to do? He said he came to seek and save what was lost. I tell you, these things like the prom, Christians handle them very differently. Uh, I do love stories about Christian kid not going to the prom, but I tell you, if I had my way, every single youth group member of Calvary Chapel would be invading the prom with the love of Jesus Christ. They'd be going right in there with the love of Jesus Christ, sharing the, uh, sharing the word of God and, 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 and triggering a, a revival. That's what we're here for, right? Just going in there and, and, and listen, the, the issue is I don't know if they're ready and that's why we pray and pray and pray for our kids, pray for our youth group. I know for our, ki- for our kids, uh, you know, when, before they went to the prom, they already knew the message. I didn't, we didn't have to tell them. We have poured Jesus Christ into you. You're about to leave the home. 
You go to that prom, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. So I don't know if the youth are ready for that. We pray and pray and pray and pray that, the, uh, that they do. Let me tell you, though, Calvary Chapel, and some of you aren't going to like when I say this, but if, it, 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 when I go, die and go be the Lord, if I had a choice, if I had a choice of people looking at my life and saying, whoa, that guy was a seriously righteous guy, or that guy was a friend of sinner's, Oh man, I want to be the one, I want to be called a friend of sinners. I want to be a friend of sinners. That's who I want to be. You know, I, you, yes, we should be hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and I do that every day. But I think Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, did people look at them and call them righteous? Oh, bet you bet they did. But no one ever looked at Buddha, Muhammad, or Confucius and said, he's a drunk, he's a glutton, he's a friend of sinners. But they said that of who? Jesus Christ. They called Jesus that. Luke chapter, um, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, Luke, uh, Matthew rather, chapter 11, verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were so obsessed what... People thought of them. They were so obsessed with that. And, what do, and they were so obsessed with what do I think of me. They stayed away from the wine bibbers and the gluttons. Is there a time for separation? Absolutely. But man, if that's who we are, a separated people, in the sense that we're separated from the world... God help us, we're Pharisees. We're a church of Pharisees. I don't wanna be like a Pharisee. I'm told in the Bible over and over, Jesus, uh, Jesus actually, uh, uh, oddly, he never really talks to the people who use grace as a license for sin. The apostle Paul did. Jesus just went head to head with the Pharisees, the people who separated themselves from the people. I don't wanna be like that. That's not how revival starts. Again, Mark chapter 12, verse 38, Jesus says, beware of scribes. And then because of verse 40, they will receive a greater condemnation. Being ruthless with sin. But at the same time, being really, really, really sure that I'm not thinking so much about what others think of me and what I think of me that I'm not separating myself from people and, love, and not loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving people, my neighbor, as myself. That's who God has called you to be. If we could have the worship team come up at this time. And if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time. If anything is stirred in your heart, if you've opened up the word of God this morning and 
like a mirror showed you, wow, that's me. I'm a Pharisee. And you would like prayer. The Bible says that if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. It says, it says in Peter and James, it says, God opposes the proud, but he exalts the humble. It's a humbling thing to come up and ask for prayer. I'll be up here. Why don't you stand for a closing worship song? We're going we're gonna to worship. Like Calvary Chapel, this is a time just for prayer. I want, Lord, I want the common people to receive me gladly. If you want prayer for that. If you want prayer, Lord, the, uh, if you want prayer, that the, that the work that God has started in your heart, by stirring in your heart this morning, that he will continue it. Which he's promised to do, by the way. But we'll help you remember that promise in prayer. That's why we pray. Just Prayer is essentially about remembering the promises of God. And adoring God in the meantime for giving us that in the process while we, while, he, um, while we pray. He's given us those promises. That the common people would receive us gladly. Oh, yes. That's what I want to be. So as we worship, let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Continue your work among us. Amen.